Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Jeremy Novak from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview. Thank you for the introduction, Dr. Pritt. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Liskey from the Mayo Clinic's Department of Nephrology and Hypertension in Rochester, Minnesota, to discuss recent updates to Mayo Clinic Laboratory's serologic testing for membranous nephropathy. Welcome, Dr. Liskey, and thank you for joining us today. To get us started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Thanks very much for having me. So I am a nephrologist here at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, a longtime interest in laboratory medicine as well. So I spend a third of my time in laboratory medicine and we do all the uh, testing related to kidney disease, kidney function, kidney stones. So very happy to be with you today. Great, thank you for the background. So I understand Mayo Clinic will be sunsetting our current PLA2R test that utilizes both ELISA and IFA testing methodologies, and we'll be replacing this with a couple different tests, including a new primary membranous nephropathy diagnostic cascade, as well as a PLA2R monitoring test. Could you describe these new tests and when it is appropriate to use each of them in, in clinic? The new tests are going to be, the first one's going to be called a PMND1, so it's a diagnostic for primary membranous nephropathy. Uh, this will be a cascade test, so it will test for the PLA2R, which is the most common cause of membranous nephropathy. There'll be an ELISA and an IFA for that, but then in addition, if those are negative, it will test for the THSD7, which is the other test we currently have live that's another cause of membranous nephropathy. And then presumably in the future, we would be adding other antigens as tests become available for those to that cascade. The second test will be the PLA2M or monitoring test. So this is for patients that we know have PLA2R positive membranous nephropathy and are undergoing some form of treatment or maybe just monitoring over time for relapse or remission. This will be just the ELISA alone. So it will give you the titer. And so you can follow if it's either going up or down or what changes may or may not be happening with that. The PLA2I will be the um, immunofluorescence for PLA2R. And again, this would be for a patient that one knows has PLA2R membranous nephropathy. The IFA is a more sensitive test. So some nephrologists would like to do this and perhaps monitor patients. You could order this with the PLA2M if you like, or in patients where that was um, negative and you still want to see if there was any trace of the antibody present, this would be the most sensitive way to do that. And then finally, the THSD7 test will be the IFA for that, which is the other known cause of membranous nephropathy. So perhaps if you're monitoring patient with that or uh, if you want to order these things separately, you can always do that as well. Could you provide a little bit of background as to why MCL is making the changes to the PLA2R test? Yep. So this is a uh, sort of, I would say, definitely an evolving field. The uh, diagnostic testing for uh, membranous nephropathy has uh, really evolved a lot over the last 10 years or so, initially with the description of PLA2R and now with THSD7, and now there are additional antigens that have been reported that can cause um, membranous nephropathy antibodies against them, such as NEL1. There's probably going to be an array of tests that are available for this, and this is the most logical and cost-effective way to do it, so having the PMA PMN diagnostic testing. This would allow sort of the initial patient that you 
think may or you may have biopsy that showed membranous nephropathy or you're not doing the biopsy, this would be the way to make the initial diagnosis of which of these antigens. And since we're doing it in a cascade sort of way, it'll be the most cost-effective way to get to the right answer without doing a lot of unnecessary testing. And then uh, the literature is pretty clear that the PLA2R titer testing is very helpful for monitoring patients on treatment. And so one can go straight to ordering that as the PLA2M test if you have a patient that you already know have this. So I think this is a very logical way to divide up the testing for the specific patient that might be uh, sitting in front of you. Sounds good. I understand there was some recent updates to the Cadigo guidelines that are now suggesting that serologic testing for PLA2R may be used as an alternative diagnostic for primary membranous nephropathy compared to the gold standard renal biopsy. Could you describe this change and when it may be appropriate to skip the biopsy and how these new tests will help support physicians looking to implement these new guidelines in their practice? Again, this is a, an evolving area. So the PLA2R testing became available over the last five or 10 years. So that now we have, as a community, much more experience with this sort of testing. And it turns out that for patients with membranous nephropathy that have it, the cause is antibodies against PLA2R, that the ELISA and IFA are really very, very good tests that they're 60 to 70% sensitive and almost um, 99 to 100% specific. So that it's really a very reliable test in that situation. So that in certain patients, uh, biopsy is still the gold standard test. We generally do that with patients with nephrotic syndrome, but there are certain patients where a biopsy may be more risky if they're on anticoagulation that maybe you don't want to hold for a period of time or for other reasons thought to be higher risk. So there are certain subsets where a biopsy um, may not be the easiest thing to do. And then just in general, it's even though it's very safe, it's not 100% safe. It is a, an invasive procedure so that in certain circumstances, one might want to avoid the biopsy. And I think there's still some controversy, but in KDGO, especially if it's a patient with preserved kidney function with a GFR over 60, those are considered relatively lower risk patients for progression. The biopsy probably won't show anything other than the membranous nephropathy, if they are PLA2R positive, there are series now that show the secondary findings on a biopsy for patients with good kidney function is really quite low, so that the PLA2R is probably a very reasonable way to go, uh, the testing, if it's that sort of patient with a good kidney function. Patients with lower GFRs, the likelihood of finding other things on the biopsy that may be contributing to their kidney dysfunction is higher. It's not like it's incredibly high, but there's still some probability you might find something like an interstitial nephritis on the biopsy so that in that circumstance, KDGO at least recommends we still go to the biopsy unless, again, there, there may be specific very high-risk patients that you don't want to do that. So the serologies might be enough in those kind of patients as well. It's important to point out that in all patients with membranous nephropathy, there is a subset that will have other secondary contributing causes, and it's important to screen for those whether you do or don't do the biopsy. So those would be things like malignancy, so making sure you do the age-appropriate uh, testing, and then that might be looking at for PSA and women uh, screens for breast cancer uh, if there are risk factors for things like colon cancer or lung cancer as well. Sarcoid's been associated with this, so if there's any question about that, a chest x-ray would be reasonable. A subset of membranous nephropathy are related to other autoimmune disorders, so that serologies for things like lupus should always be considered, and then other infectious etiologies like hepatitis or HIV or BDRL for syphilis would be appropriate other testing to do in these patients as well. 
Thank you very much, Dr. Liskey, for sharing the details on this testing methodology uh, and the new Cadigo guidelines. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.